Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your host, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And it's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. What were your thoughts there, John, on the Tales of the Turtles 400 from Chicagoland Speedway? Martin Shirk Jr. Uh, was the winner. He won his 12th career race. What were your thoughts? I think Martin Truex Jr., I mean, it was great that he overcame the problems that he had early in the race, put him back in traffic, but Martin Truex always finds a way, especially in these mile and a half lately. He's been phenomenal. And, I mean, you look, he's got a full race plus lead over second place right now. He could take a race off, and, I mean, no matter what, he's going to make the second round. But he's um, in good shape going forward. I mean, Truex just finds a way. Um, you know, I think it was very a uh, good day for Chase Elliott because he hasn't shown that kind of capability lately. And then also you look at Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick basically said, we did the best we could. We wanted to run a clean race, and everything came out fine for them. They got a third-place finish. But Truex, it's just one of those things. This, unless something crazy happens this year, you might as well just start scripting the uh, first Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series tr- trophy with Martin Truex's name on it. Yeah, and how crazy was it to see a, a driver like him today had two penalties on pit road, and it just shows you how good his race car was. I mean, comes through the field, and Kyle Busch had some issues too, and, but he wasn't able to do what Truex did. Um, and worked his way up through the field without any issues, did a great job. And then at, on the final stage there, won by like 10 seconds. I mean, <laughs> the second place driver wasn't anywhere close. There was only 14 cars on the lead lap. If Truex doesn't have any issues, you could argue that um, – he would lap the field. <laughs> he was going to lap the field. Yeah, like lap the field. And, and there was only 14 cars on the lead lap to begin with, and he wasn't in front the whole time. So it was a wild, wild race for Truex, a guy who, I tell you what, Cole Pern and him have figured it out. I mean, on the mile and a half, they're good everywhere. There's no doubt about it. I think next week when we go to New Hampshire, they're going to be a factor at New Hampshire. But on a mile and a half especially, they come out and they run about as good as anybody, and they have something figured out. There's no doubt about that because they are kicking some real tail right now on the mile and a half program. And you look at the Tway Truex and Cole Pern have been on the mile and a half. Go back to last year's Coca-Cola 600 where they all butt lapped the field. What was there, six cars on the lead lap by the time they got done? Um, Truex has been lights out. And he's basically got that cushion where they can just sit back and play and get them get themselves the stage points and all that stuff. They could end up going – I mean, locking themselves almost into Homestead 
the way they keep going, as long as nothing crazy happens, they're locked into Homestead. There's no doubt about that. I don't, I don't think there's any, you know, doubt about it. And the way they run, they could win, you know, they could win next week in New Hampshire. They could win Charlotte. They could win uh, Dover. They could win anywhere. Truex is a driver who, you know, I saw a comparison on Twitter just before about Dale Jarrett. You know, he, his, his career sort of images Dale Jarrett, where Dale Jarrett got off to a really slow start. They didn't win a lot of races. He wasn't really contending for titles. And then all of a sudden, it was like they flipped a switch, got with Todd Parrott and, and a great crew chief. And that is where the magic lies. I think that's where people, um, you know, a lot of people try to criticize drivers and, and things, and they say, well, this guy stinks here. And that's why I don't want to throw Casey Kane under the bus right now, because I feel like it takes one situation to get your career back on the right track. And for Martin Truex Jr., there's no doubt about it. His career is back on the right track. One an unbelievable, unbelievable uh, runs here of late. And he's just, that 78 team is no doubt the favorite to win the championship. A great run today. And I'll tell you who else had a good run in the second-place car and Chase Elliott. You know, not a flashy day. Led 42 laps. Didn't go out. And it wasn't nearly the fastest car. I think the 78 and the 18 were the fastest cars. The 18 got back. Could never get his lap back. But a solid day for Chase Elliott there, John. I mean, this is a guy who still has yet to win his first career cup race, goes out there today, runs solidly in the top five, and that's what he needs to do if he wants to advance in, this, in these playoffs. Yeah, he does. He's got to get moving up there because he um, didn't win a race in the regular season, didn't have a whole lot of uh, playoff points coming into the, the playoffs. But come out there, finish second every week, you're going to end up making it to the next round. And it's the best he's run all year. I mean, he's been up there top five, top tens most of the day, or most of the races, but he was up there in contempt race. And what surprised me is Jimmy Johnson wasn't. It just was really weird that uh, Chase Elliott and Alan Gustafson got it right going into Chicago. And Johnson just what I mean, he was okay, but he wasn't anything special today. You're right. And I heard somebody tell me today, you know, hey, maybe the 48 was – still holding back. There's no reason to hold back now. They gotta put it all together and go out there and win as many races and lead as many laps as possible. And they didn't lead any laps today. They didn't really run like you said in the top five all day. They finished eighth a solid day for anybody. I don't think you walk out saying, Oh, we ran like crap today, finished running eighth, but for that forty eight team you gotta do a little bit better than that. You wanna be better than eighth. And uh no doubt about it. But for Chase Elliott I think it's a solid day. Uh, was far and away the best Hendrick Motorsports car. I mean, Chase Casey King, you forget he was even in the chase. He finished 21st. Dale Jr. was a top, you know, a top 20 car maybe at best today. So uh, the far and away the best Hendrick car was Chase Elliott today. And another solid day for for Kevin Harvick. Um, Stewart Haas Racing, we'll talk about them as a whole. You know, uh, two cars in, two cars out of the chase. Uh, the four car was very good all day. Harvick, he amazes me because his car doesn't have the raw speed. And maybe that's where he's getting beat a little bit this year. His car doesn't have the raw speed. But when these tires fall off and on the long run, it seems like Harvick is the best at conserving his tires and conserving his equipment and saying, you know what, we're going to make the best out of this long run. And that's what he did today. A third-place run, he led 59 laps, a good job by him. But it just, you know, a, they need to come out, I think, and, and put their name out there and run in the top five all day and show that they're a presence in this chase. And they did that today. So I think mission accomplished. They're still a little bit off speed-wise from the Toyotas, but a very good day for Kevin Harvick, and uh, no doubt about it. The uh, switch from Stuart Haas from Chevy to Ford, 
I mean, everybody thought when Kurt Busch won at Daytona, oh, yeah, it's great. Everything's great. And then Harvick it gets his win at Sonoma. But if you think about it, one of the things I looked at, um, Harvick led four times today for 59 laps. It's the most he's led in one race since Texas in April when he led 77. And that's not Harvick. Since him and Rodney Childers got together, especially when they were running the Hendrick chassis and the Hendrick motors and they were running Chevys up until this year, they were always up there most laps led. I mean, even though they win two, four races here and there, half the time the pit crew bit them in the butt because they led the most laps over and over and over. And they were always fast this year. They've been Harvick shown what kind of driver he is where, you know, when you're a championship contender, you can take a 10th place car and make a fifth place car out of it. Instead of taking a 10th place car, and making a 15th place car. Harvick's been doing that. He's been taking a 10th place car here and there, making it a fifth place car, taking a seventh place car, finishing in the top five. I mean, Harvick has done very well with what they have. And I still think they're feeling their oats in their Fords. They're still trying to get the balance right. They're still trying to figure out what they can do with the Doug Yates engines and make the balance to go with the power that they have. Don't count Harvick out. And today was a good sign that they were up there. I mean, he said this was about the kind of car he had. They were a second, third place car. They didn't have anything for Truex or Kyle Busch whenever he was up there. But Harvick was up there. And he made himself known that he is someone who's going to compete for this thing. And there are some tracks that are really good for Harvick coming up. I mean, he's won at Dover before. He's won at Charlotte before. He's won at Phoenix. Um, He's a good plate racer. Um, So, And Harvick won the New Hampshire race last year. So don't count Harvick out on this thing. Don't lock it in where it's Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Larson, and then probably Johnson or – whatever Harvick is someone who's probably going to be in that top four. Well, I think that's what he needed to do today was to show people, Hey, remember me kind of thing. And he did that today. You know, he, he led laps, he ran in the top five, he did everything he needed to do. And I think that was a, a huge step in the right direction. You know, New Hampshire is a, a good track for Harvick and Dover is a very good track for him as well. Um, and today, you know, with, with these guys who are in the top end of the field, who's got their wins, who's got a lot of bonus points like Harvick, like Martin Trix Jr., they needed not beat themselves today. And they did that. Um, and they need to do that in the next two races as well. Um, you know, since they're in the same organization, we're going to go this way. What happened to Kurt Busch? I mean, this was a guy I thought was sort of a sleeper. You know, they came in and they were having some momentum and it looked like they were really doing well. And today they kind of went out and didn't really perform. I mean, uh, a disappointing qualifying lap in 17th. You know, didn't really do do much all day long, finishing a 19th spot. Uh, very disappointing day, I think, for that 41 car this this week, John, at Chicagoland. Uh, you know, like I said, they came in with some momentum uh, with a couple of nice top 10, top five runs, and they let out a stinker today. You know, it's bad with Danica beat you. I mean, Danica was ahead of Bush all day and wound up finishing 18th, Kurt Bush 19th. Um, he really didn't do anything special. He was two laps down at the end. I mean, it's just one of those where him and Tony Gibson, and and like we said, going into the thing that we thought Kurt Busch might have been the class of the Stuart Haas field because of the way he's been running lately, but they just missed it today. They were off. I mean, 
the 19th for Kurt Busch, 21st for Casey Kane. Um, Newman got in the thing early, so he's back there. It just, Stenhouse was just a disaster today, finishing four laps down. So they've got their work cut out for him. But the thing with Kurt Busch, he's good at New Hampshire. He's good at Dover. Don't count them out either, but, I mean, they got a lot of ground to make up. Yeah, and I think he was he was just a guy who I thought, you know, a lot like Matt Kenseth, who we'll talk about in a little bit, who I thought was going to come into this Chicagoland race and really be a factor to win and really didn't do much. Um, the fourth-place finisher was Denny Hamlin. Listen, Denny, I, I think he could be a very good sleeper in this. Uh, Joe Gibbs Racing Cars have the speed. Toyota has the speed. TRD has the speed. Um a, a very good solid day for him. Didn't really have a, anything crazy go on with him. Same thing with Kyle Larson. And I, again, I mentioned these guys who are up in the top of the points, who have a lot of bonus points. They didn't need to beat themselves today. That was the thing they needed to do was stay out of trouble, have a solid day, and learn from it. I think Larson, I talked about this earlier, they were much better in April than where they are today um, as far as speed is concerned. But – He's still a very good race. They're still a very good race team. Still a very good car. His teammate, John, had some issues. Spun, didn't hit anything, but ended up in a 10th spot. So a, you know, a decent day for the Chip Ganassi racing teams there. But I think they're going to need to show a little bit more speed here if they want to go out and win this championship. Yeah, without a doubt. Jamie Murray um, got loose early and wound up spinning it out and but still managed to salvage the day and he's right now in by about five points because right now you're looking Kurt Busch and Austin Dillon are 76 points behind Truex right now and they're tied with 2026 right now Austin Dillon is the high has the highest second finish over Kurt Busch, so he is the one who's on the bubble. Kurt Busch, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Casey Kane, and Ryan Newman would be out if the playoffs ended today. Yeah, and, and you know, that's what you have to look at is, as far as where the points are concerned. It was still two races to go, no doubt about it, but it could have been a very big disaster for McMurray when he was spinning on the backstretch. Uh, but he figured it out, got it straight, didn't hit anything, and kept on going and salvaged a decent day out of it. Brad Kozlowski made headlines prior to the race during the whole weekend. We'll be going to dive into those comments a little bit later, but a sixth place run, not a terrible day. Joey Logano, his teammate who's not in the playoffs finished in the seventh spot. He was the highest of the non-playoff drivers in seventh decent day for him as well. If they had this run earlier in the year, maybe they could have made the chase. Uh, we mentioned talk, talk about Jimmy Johnson ninth, who finished eighth. Matt Kenseth was ninth. Um, you know, another guy who started in the 10th spot, I thought maybe would be like Harvick, where he would save his tires and roll through the field and do a very good job. Struggled a little bit today. Ninth, that's about where he ran all day was ninth spot. Up, you know, a couple, couple of spots ahead, a couple of spots back. Uh, a little bit of a disappointing day for, to me for Matt Kenseth. Um, you know, you want to come out and establish your championship run, establish some speed, and they were not, they were not much better than a top 10 car all day. No, and uh, Kenseth didn't really talk much after the race. Um, he just was there. I mean, he stayed on the lead lap, which was a good thing, the way this race wound up running, and salvaged himself an eighth-place finish, which keeps him going if they would go to the next round. 
Um, he's got a couple good tracks for him. I mean, he runs well at New Hampshire. He runs well at Dover. Um, it's just that there was nothing special about Kenseth. Um, this is one of those ones where it's going to be Matt Kenseth is leaving at the end of the year. How much of it is they're giving Kenseth everything that they give Kyle Busch, they give Denny Hamlin. How much is Matt Kenseth participating in all the meetings and all the debriefs and everything? Or is Matt Kenseth on an island? Because both Matt Kenseth and his crew chief are leaving at the end of the year. So how much is Joe Gibbs sharing with those two? Are they in the same meetings with uh, Kyle Busch uh, and Denny Hamlin, or are they sort of on an island? And that's the one thing you got to remember. I mean, look at last year, Stuart Haas, whenever they were splitting with Hendrick beginning this year, they didn't get near the support they got at the end of the year. They didn't participate. They didn't have the same debriefs they had in previous years. So this could be the one where uh, Kenseth is on an island and him and his crew chief are trying to figure it out. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think it's not great for Walt to do that if you're Joe Gibbs racing. Um, but you have next year figured out already. And you don't want wherever Ken, if Kenseth goes somewhere, which it looks like he might not be going anywhere, and wherever Jason Ratcliffe goes, you don't want to take him to take those notes, these, you know, updated, most updated notes with him. Um, you know, and they're going to run as good as they possibly can. I think they're going to give it the best shot they have. But I'm sure Matt was frustrated today because it just, there's not a lot of adjustability in these race cars anymore. And it's basically, you know, when you're sitting there trying to explain a little bit of why you're a little bit behind, you know, I'm sure it gets a little frustrating because he could, he, like I said, he was a seventh to 11th place car all day long. And he really didn't, you know, fall too far behind that or too far in front of that for the rest of the day. Um, You know, another guy who I thought would make a little bit of playoff run as far as a lot of people had should before the race, I heard a lot of people talk about this guy, Ryan Blaney. Another guy who just the speed wasn't there today. 11th place run for him. A little bit disappointing run as well. And then you have Kyle Busch, who I think had the second fastest race car there. Just could never get his lap back. Landon Castle in that uh, 34 car, by taking the wave around, they had a little bit of a different strategy. Kept neglecting, kept taking the, the lucky dog away from Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch could never get that lucky dog spot. And it ended up biting him in the butt, uh, 15th place run for him after sitting on the pole. These are races, John, in NASCAR here in 2017, you have to be flawless. You cannot have mistakes on pit road. Uh, you know, and I know it was a, a stupid little thing where a, a gas man jumped over before the, co- the car, uh, you know, one spot, one box too soon and he if he gassed the car it would have been fine but since he didn't gas it it was a problem and Kyle Busch got penalized a pass through penalty but you can, you have to be perfect in these playoffs and it you know it's not a horrible day where Kyle Busch is going to be destroyed by this but it could have been a lot better no doubt about it he was he could have contended for a win today in a 15th place run is very disappointing for him and you think about it they swap crew chief I mean the entire crew that Daniel Suarez ran all season long and they're pitting Bush's cars starting this past weekend. And you think about some of those guys who pitted that car. I mean, they had a couple off nights where they um, got behind Denny Hamlin at Darlington and they almost blew the race at Bristol because of pit stops. But 
Kyle Busch and Joe Gibbs and Adam Stevens all decided to make the crew swap bit him in the ass tonight. I mean, as Adam Stevens said, and this is a amazing quote, it's just piss poor execution all the way around. When you make back-to-back mistakes, it's tough to recover from it. But it was a company decision to make the change that we made, and I wouldn't expect that to change. I'm confident that we made the right one. It was just a bad day. And you think about it, Bush dropped from third to fifth in points. He's still 37 points out of, I mean, without no problems uh, making the next round. I mean, he's, oh, he's got a 35 point cushion on 13th. So he should be in good shape making the second round, but you can't have these problems. And they made the switch because they were struggling as a pit crew going into this race. And then the first race with the new crew, they make it worse. Yeah. And I'll tell you this. You know, you say he can make it. The thing that's going to derail Kyle Busch is if something happens in New Hampshire and Dover. Um, and we haven't seen a lot of issues this year. Wrecks are way down. But if he blows the right front tire or something, then all of a sudden you get to a point where, okay, maybe he's in a bad spot here. Um, but a win or a second-place run or a third-place run today would have – that. It wouldn't even matter. New Hampshire and Dover probably wouldn't even matter because he would have advanced anyway. So it just it takes a mulligan away from him. You know, like I said, it's not going to destroy him if he runs. You know, eighth and eighth, he'll he'll make the second round with ease. But a wreck or something major to happen to that 18 car, it would be a major issue. Uh, another couple cars here I want to talk about before we move on about the race recap, just because they're in the playoffs. Um, is RCR. We talked about Richard Childress Racing. They made it on two very interesting pit strategy calls. Austin Dillon uh, at the Coca-Cola 600, staying out on fuel. Ryan Newman had a great call at Phoenix. That's how he got his win. Um, but a very disappointing effort from that organization today. Dillon finished 16th. Ryan Newman 23rd. Uh, not a lot of speed out of those guys. Very disappointing if you're RCR, and they're going to have to pick it up here, both of them if they want to advance to the second round. Yeah, Newman got into uh, Jimmy McMurray early and just never was able to get back to finish 23rd, and it puts him 16th in the playoffs right now. So if if everything stopped today, he's going home. Well, actually, he's going to be running the rest of the races, but he has no chance at the title. It's going to take a special effort from Newman. He's going to have to win to get to the next round. Um, same with Stenhouse, same with Austin Dillon. I mean, Austin Dillon – wasn't anything special today. Um, he battled back to pull off the finish that he wound up with, but I mean, he wasn't anything special. And both of us said going into it, we expected Austin Dillon and Newman not to see the second round just because of the way that they strategize themselves to get wins. And this is one of the things that does bother me with the win and you're in playoffs. Um, Joey Logano and Clint Boyer have had much better seasons than Ryan Newman and Austin Dillon. And both of them are sitting outside watching. Joey Logano up in the top 10 all day today. Clint Boyer just outside, um, a lap down here and there. But Boyer run better all season. Same with uh, Logano. But those guys wound up pulling off a win. They make the playoffs. But in reality, you think about it, they turn into playoff field fillers because they're not going to see the second round. Yeah, most likely. I mean, it, it, mile and a half to the bread and butter, and you have to show at least a little bit of speed. And they didn't today. So a little bit disappointing. I think um, 
you know, Stenhouse was the guy I think was a long shot to win this championship. Anyway, all of them really were. Dylan and, and the guys we're talking about right now, at least, and uh, Newman, and you talk about Casey Kane. I think they were all long shots. Um, so not a huge surprise here, but um, just they got to execute better and they got to do better. And it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on those guys and see what they do strategy-wise at New Hampshire and Dover with these stages to see how they try and get some track position and try and pull off a victory to get to the second round. 917-889-8280. Talking circles, Clayton Caldwell, John Harlow with you tonight, breaking down the tales of the Turtles 400 from Chicagoland Speedway. We'll talk a little bit about the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series a little bit later as well. But interesting news this week from Brad Keselowski, John, his comments on Twitter suggesting that NASCAR has let Toyota get this advantage, an advantage, and it's the biggest advantage that NASCAR's let a manufacturer have since the 1970s. Now, I heard a rumor today on Twitter, I read this, and I don't know if this has any relevance at all, but I heard a rumor that, that the four team was complaining about the rear end of the 11 car and NASCAR is looking at, looking at the axles or something like that on the back end of the 11 and, and the 78 car as well. So something to keep an eye on as we get going here. But to me, John, Kozlowski's comments, they were very interesting. But this is a guy, and I think people have to keep this in mind, who is shutting his, his truck series team down. And the, the manufacturer that absolutely dominates a truck series is Toyota. And I think that is where the root of this frustration, and there's no doubt he's frustrated on the Cup Series side because he's not, he can't catch them. But I think the root of all this is the fact that they have an advantage not only in the Cup Series, but they're strong in the Cup Series, they're strong in Xfinity, they're strong in the Truck Series, and they destroy every other manufacturer in development. So throughout NASCAR, Toyota right now is the manufacturer to be at. And I think that's what is the root of this frustration here, John. I think um, I was listening to Pat Patterson this morning on Sirius XM NASCAR radio. And he was talking about whenever NASCAR creates the rules for the season, they present the Toyota Chevy and Ford on one day and they do whatever they do and NASCAR says, this is the template we're going to use. And then they have all the time in the world to manipulate the body, the rear end, the front end, the front end geometry, everything they can to take advantage of whatever they put in there. So it's like you may have put an 80% solution there and NASCAR said it's okay. And then you find your tweaks and all that stuff to get it to the 100%. The, one of the differences is, you look, Toyota is in this as a manufacturer. Toyota builds the engines. Toyota manufactures the parts. Very few parts that they get are from different part makers. They get it from the factory. Ford has pushed out the engine building to Doug Yates and Roush Yates engines. Chevy has their engines built by Hendrick, has their engines built by ECR. So you're having third parties build your engines and all that stuff when it comes to the Ford and the Chevys. And you've got Toyota doing everything as one organization and one manufacturer who is lockstep and barrel and they're throwing money hand over fist in. 
I mean, I know Ford backed up the Brinks truck to Tony Stewart and Gene Haas to get them to go from Chevy to Ford. But I don't think they're getting near as much money as Joe Gibbs is sitting there with the Toyotas because Toyota is locked in with those five cars. And they put everything they got and they do it as a manufacturer. And then the teams get to play their little adjustments here and there. But most of it's manufacturer driven with Toyota. And I think it's one of those things. It's unlike the way they did it back in the day where if Ford thought they were getting beat, they'd go and gripe to NASCAR and say, hey, we need a bigger spoiler. We need a smaller spoiler or blah, blah, blah. And NASCAR would adjust the rules as they go. I have yet to see NASCAR change a template from the start of the year over the last four or five years. There's not been this. Well, they're they're outrunning us, so we need something to catch up. Whatever you get when you inspect that car and they present it in November, December to race it in February, that's what they got. And there hasn't been any changes, and that's one of the things. Toyota either finds a way to manipulate what they present in November and be able to kick everybody's butt, or Ford and Chevy just aren't catching up to it. Listen, I think there's no doubt Toyota is the fastest of all in all three series. They're the best in all three series. I don't think they're cheating. Um, and if anybody suggested that they think they're cheating, they're wrong. I just I don't think Kozlowski suggested that. But I do think Toyota right now has found something within their organization, within their race cars, whether it's Joe Gibbs Racing whether it's furniture row racing, they have found something to play within the rules that works very, very well for their race cars. That is faster than, than Chevrolet and Ford. I don't think Ford and Chevrolet have figured that out yet. Um, whatever Joe Gibbs racing and whatever furniture racing has, because they go out and they just, I mean, furniture racing, especially they just dominate. I mean, we talked about today, it would have been an absolute, bore fest if, if Truex didn't have any issues. It would have been a bore fest because that car was a was bulletproof today. There was nothing you could do to that race car. I mean, obviously, wrecking a damage, but I don't think an adjustment really would have mattered. That car was unbelievable. And at, especially at the end of that race, we saw that and we're like, man, it's 10 seconds. And I said, 10 seconds, a, la- a lead. And it's been 80, 90 laps since since the last caution, if they ran 370 green, he would have lapped this field maybe twice. I mean, he was that strong today. So there's no doubt about it that Toyota has figured something out. Um, and I give Kozlowski credit for griping. I think part of it is the fact that he wants NASCAR to sort of look at it and say, they're sticking up the show. Make, it, make a rule change, please. Let us have this. Let us have that. But NASCAR has been very, very strong on that. And I think what people have to understand is that back in the 90s when we had those where, you know, not the Fords would get a half an inch on the spoiler and then the Chevrolets would, would get a half an inch on the nose, it cost these owners a lot of money because they had to rebuild these cars, rebuild these pieces. All the, the research and development that they put into the cars with those rules was completely garbage because they now had to change – they now changed the rules again, and they had to do it ahead of time. So it cost these owners – a lot of money. So these owners, this RTA with an owner union, they're not going to let that happen anymore. So we are seeing a common template throughout the year. There's no doubt about that. 
And what that does is it puts NASCAR in a really tight spot because you could be in a situation which I think we're going to see in these next 10 races, in these next nine races, where one manufacturer is going to completely run away with this championship. And I think we're about to see that, John. I was just doing the math in my head, if you think about it. Toyota's really focused on six cars this year, the four from Gibbs and the two from Furniture Row Racing. I mean, the BK Racing, they get their motors from Pro Motor or somebody else. They don't get it from TRD. So TRD is focused on six cars. I was just counting. Roush Fenway, I mean, Roush Yates engines, build engines for 10 cars, if not more, because you've also got the uh, front row motorsports cars that are getting Roush Yates engines. So you're looking at 12 cars then. Hendricks building for their four plus the two of Ganassi, that's six. And there's a couple outliers that will uh, buy Hendrick engines every now and then. You've got ECR doing for their three plus the two at um, JTG Doherty plus the 13 plus the um, 95. So you've got a bunch of engines and stuff being built for different organizations by several different people. And Toyota's just sitting there building it themselves saying, okay, we'll take care of these six. And those six have been head and shoulders. It's not, I mean, it's like at one point they used to say the more cars you have, the more research you have, the better development you have out of it. Toyota's gone small and focused big on their small team. If you think about six teams out of the 40 on the field, but those six have been lights out because they've been able to blow the doors off of everybody. And you think about um, Daniel Suarez, he's been respectable. It's not like he's been up there competing for wins, but he's been respectable in the 19 car and will continue to grow. So, and Toyota is going to go one team smaller next year with the 77 going away. Yeah. And like I said, this whole Toyota dominance starts from the bottom up. And I think that's where these teams and drivers are getting frustrated. Maybe it's a little frustration, voicing a little frustration to the manufacturers saying, Hey, step it up a little bit. Um, you think about development, you know, we, I, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago where Toyota had a lot of development drivers. Kyle Larson came out of Toyota. Uh, Bubba Wallace came out of Toyota. Eric Jones, uh, Daniel Suarez. You know, now you see Christopher Bell. You saw uh, Kyle Benjamin um, run very well this year. Ryan Priest run, won a race this year, all with Toyotas. And I think they, they are looking at this right now and saying, we're putting as much money as we possibly can into the entire sport. And it just seems like every move they make, Toyota, is good. Uh, Christopher Bell has been phenomenal in the truck series. You know, he's just an unbelievable talent. Um, same deal with, you know, Eric Jones. Eric Jones, yeah, he was found by Kyle Busch, but Toyota made that happen. Toyota was the one that put the money and put the seats behind him, underneath him, and said, okay, William Byron last year in the truck series, they went out and they got William Byron and they said, hey, we want him. Yeah, he was gobbled up by Hendrick Motorsports, but he was a Toyota product. So Toyota is from the bottom up putting money into this sport like nobody else has seen. And I think it's really starting to scare some of these teams because they're sitting there going, when are we going to catch up? We seem like we may, may have gained a, a half a step on them, 
and now they're starting to take off again. So I think this is where this frustration starts from, from the bottom up throughout NASCAR. Toyota is the place to be right now. Plus, you look at what they're doing in the future. You've got um, Jeff Burton's kid. You've got um, David Gilliland's kid. You've got Marty Snyder's kid all running races here and there for Cowboys Motorsports in the truck series. There's three kids that are under 18 who are coming up and are going to be studs in this field. Um, And you look at where Ford is, they really had two major teams when it came to the truck series. And now it's gone with the Brad Keselowski racing. You look at the Xfinity series, you've got Cole Custer and Harvick runs every now and then in the Xfinity series. You've got the 98 with Biagi running with, uh, petty support. You've got one team from Roush Fenway Racing. There's barely a Ford noticeable in the Xfinity series. And you get to the Cup series, you got a boatload. You got the Ford Stewart Haas. You got the two at Penske. You got the one with Wood Brothers. You got the two at Roush Fenway. You got the three or the two at uh, Front Row Motorsports. That's a lot of Fords, but there's nobody coming up through the pipeline and there's no development through the pipeline to make sure that they're set whenever they get to the cup series. So I think Ford is behind when it comes to development. And I think you're going to be even further behind with Brad Keselowski closing the doors to his truck series team. I don't know who's going to open up the thing and go with it. Yeah. I heard a rumor or I don't know if it was a rumor, but a lot of interesting talk this week. And we're going to dive into that a little bit later as far as the cup series side of the program goes, but about guys in, in media members asking people about the future, their future, where they're going to be. Um, and it came up in Chase Briscoe's press conference that Cunningham Motorsports, the ARCA series team, uh, their forward team in the ARCA series, they have two brand new trucks waiting to go, waiting to run. Now, whether that's for this year or next year remains to be seen, but there's a rumor out there. And I think it's a strong possibility. You're going to see Cunningham Motorsports, acquire the assets of Brad Keselowski racing and run as a Ford team. And maybe Ford will support that. And that'll be the development team because they really need that. You're absolutely right. If they lose Keselowski, Oh boy, they're, you know, and there's nobody replaces them. Oh boy, they're in big trouble. So I think we might see that team bounce back and run in the truck series. Now, what does that do to ARCA, which is a very important app Avenue. Joe Gibbs racing as an ARCA team this year, but as far as like Ford is concerned, um, where does that lead them? Who knows? Does Cunningham Motorsports stay in the series and run trucks? I don't know. Um, but that's something to keep an eye on as well. But you're absolutely right. I think from the bottom up, Toyota's the place to be. You know, you talked about Todd Gilliland. Todd Gilliland's winning everything. He's winning both the East and the West Series point standings right now. And he's going to be the first driver to do so in, in a long, long time if he can do that. So he's a superstar, and he's in the Toyota camp. Um, so absolutely correct. I think it's a it's an unbelievable thing, and it's something to keep an eye on here as we move forward. Will these manufacturers, will this team, these teams catch Toyota? That's what it comes down to. Now it's seven eight nine eight two eight zero. Talking in circles. Clayton Caldwell and John Harlow here. John, a you're from the Northeast. I'm from the Northeast. A very very sad story yesterday, last night, coming out of uh, the Will and Modified series as veteran Ted Christopher passed away in a plane accident last night going to uh, a race just in 
you know, a guy who, uh, you know, I don't follow modifieds all that close, but I know his name. Uh, 42 wins, you know, a championship, an unbelievable driver. Um, he's going to probably be in the Hall of Fame with Richie Evans. Um, just an unbelievable driver and a sad, sad story. 59 years old, passed away last night. What are your thoughts? Like I said, you grew up in, in the Northeast. Uh, what are your thoughts about Ted Christopher here, John? Again, it's one of those things. I, I pay attention to the modifieds once in a while, especially whenever I go up to New Hampshire. And it's usually you get the – you pay attention to the modifieds a little bit because Newman and uh, Kevin Bono-Mannion always find a way to put a, a modified in there for Newman to run whenever they run up here at New Hampshire. But you knew who Ted Christopher was. He ran a little bit in the Xfinity Series, a little bit in the Cup Series. Um, but he was something special to watch in the Modifieds. I watched him go toe-to-toe with Newman up here at the, in New Hampshire. And Newman found a way to get around him. But Ted Christopher, you knew he was there. Anytime they ran a Modified race, you knew he was there. Same with Brian Priest. I mean, Brian Priest, I mean, you look, one of his idols is Ted Christopher. The guy was just something special in a modified, and our thoughts and prayers go to the family and everybody in the Wheel and Modified series because he's, I mean, if you look at the world of outlaws, Steve Kinzer, Sammy Swindell, gang helped make the world of outlaws. If you look at the Wheel and Modified series, there's only a few drivers you really know of who've come out of it. Jimmy Spencer came out of the Wheel and Modified series, Teddy Christopher. And now you hear no of Ryan Priest, but they're, Ted Christopher is just something to watch in those modifieds. Yeah, he was. And uh, just a sad story. And, and like you said, thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family and his friends. And, and when you lose somebody like that, it, it, it puts the whole weekend and the whole, um, you know, everything into perspective a little bit. It's just, you know, just a really sad situation. And uh, something I think we need to touch on the guys, they, it was a legend. And, uh, just something that a really sad situation Saturday night, um, you know, and it's just, you never know, you know, I guess that's what it comes down to. And, and I read a lot of stories, you know, a lot, I follow a lot of people, a lot of broadcasters come from the Northeast um, and they followed Ted Christopher. And like you said, you know, modifieds in the Northeast are huge. So, uh, you know, and it just, he was such a great driver and um, a, a good guy it's a, a really, really sad situation there through what we saw Saturday night. 9178-9280 here. Uh, Clayton Caldwell, John Harlow. Xfinity Series and Truck Series both ran at Chicago this weekend, John. Um, a very interesting race in the Xfinity Series. A very interesting ending, I should say. Because it came down to a a line rule, I guess you can call it a restart rule, with Eric Jones. You know, a lot of people always remember this rule for David Reagan. When David Reagan was winning the Daytona 500 and he crossed over before the start finish line and cost himself basically the Daytona 500 because of that. Uh, Well, Eric Jones did it yesterday in the Xfinity Series race. He was winning and tried to cross the line too soon, was way out in front, NASCAR black flagged him, and Justin Allgaier, who had a really good day, a really strong car, um, you know, led to the final few laps and won the uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series, the House.com 300 at Chicagoland Speedway. Um, it's Allgaier's fifth career win. 
you know, he gets those bonus points. The Xfinity Series playoff starts next week at, at Kentucky. Uh, but a, a wild finish and a very good run for Justin Allgaier there, John, to get that win. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I you look at the Xfinity Series, and it's going to be really different this year when it comes to the playoffs. You're not going to run, see a Cowboy showing up there. You're not going to see the Harvick showing up there. You're not going to see the guy – the you may see some Kyle Larson because he's been in the cup series less than five years, but it's going to be something that shoots out. It gives the Xfinity drivers a chance to fight for their own championship without the cup guys getting in the way. I mean, you're going to have your Blaney's and all that stuff, but I mean, you think about it, the junior motorsports guys, they focus on that Xfinity series all the way because they're in their own shop. Yeah. They got Hendrick support, but they're their own shop and they do their own thing. It's not like you're coming out of the Gibbs shop and everything like that or coming out of the Penske shop. They're the guys running for the championship. And I think it's going to be between Allgaier and Elliot Sadler. I think it's going to be between the two of them to see who ends up winning this Xfinity series championship. Um, Allgaier has shown he can win races. Allgaier has shown that he is a solid competitor in that seven car. And I think he's the favorite going in. Um, but you also have, William Byron up there who has been a stud this season for junior motorsports once they finally got off the schneid and won a bunch of races in a row. And he's been respectable lately, but he hasn't been lighting the place up. That's why I think Allgaier and Elliot Sadler, Elliot Sadler's just been consistent and he won the regular season point championship. And I think he'll point his way in and pull off a win here and there. I mean, Elliot Sadler's your defending winner at Kentucky last year. So it should be interesting to see how it goes. I think it's going to be between, one of those three junior motorsports guys see who ends up winning this thing. Yeah. Listen, I agree. I think, you know, no disrespect to the Xfinity series, but the competition there this year, as far as Xfinity series drivers go, is very, very light. Um, you know, you have William Byron, who you talked about won three races, he's done a great job. Uh, Justin Allgaier has won two races. They've done, he's done a good job. Other than that, you have Ryan Reed who's won at, won at Daytona and Jeremy Clements who won at a Road America, which was a great win. It was a fantastic win. It was awesome to see. But that's it. And that is a very uh, – that's very tough when you look at it that way. You say, man, that's it. Four winners, four Xfinity Series winners. Nobody else has really run up front. You saw a good, good thing from Daniel Hemrick this week. It was nice to see him run up front. He ran in the top five most of the day. But he's fourth in the standings. But I'm going to see him making a big play for this championship. Um, you know, when you go down further in the field, Brennan Poole, who's a nice driver, he's been here a couple of years now, still without a win, doesn't really run in the top five all that much against these cup guys. So I don't know how he's going to compete for this championship. Ryan Reed's very good on the, on the super speedways. He's excellent on the super speedways. Everywhere else, he needs some work. Had some issues again this weekend. Uh, Jeremy Clements, that is a underdog story. I would love to see Jeremy Clements go off and pull off this championship. Not going to happen. Uh, Cole Custer has had a little bit of a disappointing year this year. I think Stuart Haas Racing is a very fast car, uh, he's a, but he's a rookie. And it's going to be very hard for a rookie to go against these veterans in the Xfinity Series and go out there and try and win. Um, Blake Cook with Colleague Motorsports, they have three, or three top ten finishes all year. I don't see them competing for the championship. Matt Tipp, a young driver at Joe Gibbs Racing, hasn't had a great year. I don't see him doing it. Brennan Gone who I think admittedly would admit that team is nowhere near where they need to be to compete for a championship. And the same thing with Michael Onnet, who's 12th. 
So when you look at the Xfinity Series, there's not a whole lot of competition to compete for that championship. I think you're right. It's William Byron, Justin Allgaier, and Elliott Sadler, and that is it right now. So uh, some years you get a, a very competitive chase. I think we're going to see a very competitive chase in the Truck Series, which we'll get to in a little bit. But in this Xfinity Series, it's basically three guys here, John. Yeah, I think the Xfinity Series, the competition, you're right, it hasn't been there. And when you take out bringing in the cup guys to drive for Joe Gibbs and for Penske, and most of your wins this year, other than the few at Junior Motorsports, have been either a Joe Gibbs racing car or a Team Penske car. You've got the offlier of the um, Jeremy Clements winning one, and you've got the Reed winning at Daytona two years in a row. But the actual Xfinity guys have not stepped up to the table this year, and they've been struggling, and it's not even close the difference between somebody driving a cup a cup-fielded car compared to a regular Xfinity ride. I mean, take a look. Ryan Priest has rode, driven two races this year. He finished second and won to Kyle Busch, and he won the other. And those are the only two races he's run, and he ran an Xfinity full series last year for JD Motorsports and was fighting for 20th place all season. So you can tell the difference between the Cup Series uh, teams who play in the Xfinity Series and the guys who are fighting for Xfinity on their own. It just, it, it's not even close to fair, the amount of money, talent, and engineering that goes into the Xfinity cars from a cup team compared to the Xfinity cars from an Xfinity team. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think it's, you know, I hope somebody surprises me. Usually something that somebody does in that Xfinity series where I go, wow, I didn't expect them to run as good as they did or wow, I didn't expect them to run as bad as they did. Um, so I'm interested to see that because Kentucky's had a standalone event, which is awesome. They open up with a standalone event. Um, so I'm excited to see what happens next weekend as far as that's concerned in the Xfinity Series. Truck Series, John also ran at Chicago Lane. We talked about that uh, a little bit earlier. Johnny Sauter was the winner. Chase Briscoe, Christopher Bell, Ryan Truex, Grant Enfinger, the top five. Then it was Ben Rhodes, John Hunter Nemechek, Noah Gregson, Kaz Gralla, and Mayan Snyder, the top ten. Um, we talked about this you know, the Xfinity series that there's not a lot of great options to win a championship. Let me tell you something. Ryan Truex had a very good year. He couldn't make the playoffs. Um, I think Ryan Enfinger's had a pretty good year. He didn't make the playoffs. So yeah, winning is a lot of it. I mean, uh, Kaz Gralla hasn't been a, a dominant truck all year, but he won Daytona. Same thing with, with, um, you know, uh, Austin Sindrick with his road course win there. Um, they haven't been gr- great, but their wins have, have knocked out Enfinger and knocked out Ryan Truex. Um, so that was something fun to watch at the end of that race. But uh, right now you look at the eight drivers who are in this championship. you got Christopher Bell, Johnny Sauter, John Hunter Nemechek, Matt Crafton, Chase Briscoe, Austin Sindrick, Ben Rhodes, and Kaz Rala. Um, Give me your favorite to win this championship in the truck series. You know, you got the veteran Sauter who's the defending champion. Christopher Bell has been fast. John Hunter, who's uh, shown some nice things this year, but doesn't have a whole lot of funding behind him. Then you got Crafton, who is a dark horse, but he could he can always win it, no doubt about it. So, what do you think about those guys, and who do you think is going to win a championship? I'm surprised how much Matt Crafton struggled this year. I mean, he's got the win at Eldora, and if it's not for the win at Eldora, he, pro- he would have pointed his way in. But it wasn't a great season by Matt Crafton's standards. 
Sauter had his ups and downs throughout the year. Uh, believe it or not, one of the most consistent guys who you said was probably the most underfunded of the group, John Hunter Nemechek's been there all year long. He's won a couple races, but he's been there on a pretty regular basis. He's got a lot of top tens. He's been in the conversation in most of the races this year. And not everybody could say that. I mean, Christopher Bell's been up there all season and having the Toyota and Kyle, Kyle Busch Motorsports behind him. Christopher Bell's got to be the favorite. Sauter, just because of the experience behind it. I don't know if Crafton's holding something back, hoping to um, like the place up in the playoffs, but he hasn't done it since they've gone to this format. I mean, it's only two years old, but Crafton was nowhere to be found last year when it came time for the final four at Homestead. I think as long as Bell doesn't have what happened to um, William Byron last year where he blows an engine at Phoenix, I think Christopher Bell has a really good shot at being the uh, truck series champion. But I I mean, do not count out John Hunter Nemechek. I think that little team that could just might do it. Yeah, I mean, he's proven at times this year they can run with the leaders. Um, I think another guy who a lot of people are underrating is Chase Briscoe. I think Chase Briscoe can win. He hasn't won yet, um, but he's run. I mean, he came within an inch of beating Christopher Bell. I believe it was Texas. Um, he's run very well on half tracks. Now, they open up their playoffs at New Hampshire this weekend. It's going to be interesting to see how he runs there. First time there for him in a in a truck Um it's a shorter track, a lot like Martinsville on steroids. So it's going to be interesting to see how Briscoe can handle that. Um, you know, Christopher Bell had a whole year under his belt last year, and he's come out. He's got 40 playoff points, John. You know, the next guy is Johnny Sauter at 25. So he's all, like Truex where he is, you know, those two really are way ahead of everybody with playoff points, and they're going to keep their points throughout. So I think those two are shoe-ins to go to Homestead if nothing major happens. Um, but don't count out John Hunter. Like you said, I think Crafton is a guy who can win it. I think they can turn it on. Maybe they were trying a little bit something there this weekend. They didn't run great at Chicagoland, but like I said, they might have been trying something. And then I think Chase Briscoe is a is a decent option if you want a dark horse as well. But the other three, I think they got the work cut out for them, no doubt about it. Uh, 917-889-8280, talking circles. Final couple minutes here, John. We'll talk a little silly season here. Interesting note today. Michael McDowell was with Claire B. Lang on SiriusXM NASCAR Radio and said he expects an announcement this week as far as the Lion family racing is concerned. Michael McDowell, I don't think, is part of those plans. He said he's actively looking for a ride. Um, so it sounds like, John, this week, Casey Kane will be announced as a driver of the Lion family racing. That is the guess. Bob Levine confirmed to Claire earlier this week that he's talked to both Casey and Kirk Busch. Kirk Busch said, thank you, but I'm not interested. So that leads it to Casey Kane. I expect that to be announced this week, John. Yeah, and it's kind of a shame because Michael McDowell has gotten more out of that 95 than they've ever thought could be possible. But it also might be one of those things, I mean, you look at it when um, Kenny Wallace, Regan Smith ran that 78 at Furniture Row. It was a 25th place car. And then Kurt Busch got in it for a season. And Kurt Busch put it in the playoffs. Then Kurt Busch went to Stuart Haas. Uh, Martin Truex got, unfortunately, he didn't do anything wrong in the uh, Spingate fiasco. 
And he's the one that wound up losing the ride at Michael Waltrip Racing, which is probably the best thing that ever happened to him. He had that first year at Furniture Row where they struggled mightily, but he also had um, his girlfriend, Sherry Pollux, was diagnosed with cancer during that season. And Todd Barrier and Martin Truex just didn't fit together as crew chief and driver. And in the middle of the season, they put Cole Pern in. And they clicked. And you look at what Truex in that 78 has done since. It might be one of those things where Levine Family Racing is starting to get the pieces together. You've got an experienced crew chief in Todd Parrott. And I think if Casey Kane goes in there, he's going to get the support of Hendrick Motorsports. And it might be something where a change of scenery will do Casey good. I think having Todd Parrott on the box can't hurt. And if Levine Family Racing is getting the support of Hendrick Motorsports, it can't do anything but bring the program up further. Well, I agree. And, it, and Todd Parrott's an interesting thing you brought up because he's works for Richard Childress Racing. He ran their Xfinity Series program last year. They brought him in in the middle of the year for this 95 team with Levine family. I don't know what his contract situation is like, whether it's tied to Richard Childress Racing or tied to Levine family racing. But that team has taken a step up with Todd Parrott. There's no doubt about it. They had Dave Winston before that. He did a fine job. But Todd Parrott is a smart, smart man. He's won a championship in this series. He's won a ton of races. Um, and McDowell's done a great job. You mentioned Michael McDowell. I feel bad for Michael McDowell because he deserves better than that. I mean, he is taking it with stride. I give him a lot of credit. You know, the way he was talking today with Claire, he said, listen, they got to do what they got to do. And if you're Bob Levine, I understand it from his standpoint as well. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to align with Hendrick Motorsports, and that's what it sounds like it's going to be, uh, with Casey King. And unfortunately for McDowell, he's on the outside of that because he's not Casey Kane, but he's going to catch on somewhere. It sounds like maybe front row motorsports. That's where he was rumored to be going uh, as of late. So, but at the end of the day, you know, he, he gets a lot of credit for where that organization has come from because they came, they made a big, huge step with Michael McDowell as driver. And that shouldn't be looked at. Um, look, down at. I want to thank John Harlow today. Great job on the co-hosting as well. Um, we'll be back here next week on Wednesday here on Talking in Circles. We'll be talking about all the silly season news here on Talking in Circles. Good night, everybody.